It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Trey Gowdy. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Tuesday, August 23rd, 2022. I'm John Saucier. History shows that major wars have not been good for the Russian status quo and that they have led to major upheaval over the years for how Russia is organized, especially at the very top. We've got what's now turned into a major war with Russia attacking Ukraine, but could this be the beginning of the end for Russia as presently constituted? Big wars do end up leading to big change. This is the Fox News Rundown. War on Ukraine. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. This war between Russia and Ukraine really boils down to a broad difference of ideology. Western ideals, democracy and freedom versus autocracy and suppression you're seeing in Russia. A recent poll, though, believes that the everyday Russian is actually quite fine with how their country is being run. First of all, these polls are never particularly reliable. And this one is from the um, I forget how you put it in English, but it's the all Russian uh, social research center. Something to that effect. It's called Witsum in, in Russian. Our guest today is Fox News senior foreign correspondent Amy Kellogg. They're state run, so they're definitely not independent. And yet they're cited a lot and they're almost all that's out there as a as a you know, as a barometer of Russian feeling. And for many years, John, we've been hearing about anti-Americanism. But the way it was put today was that 59 percent of Russians don't see the value in Western civilization values, democracy and culture, which is really pretty aggressive and kind of hard to believe in the sense that I mean, Russians have been sanctioned and are lamenting the fact that they can't travel to the West anymore. The richest of the rich have their villas and yachts in the West. It's kind of hard to believe that they don't value Western anything. But that said, I do think that it it's an indicator of just how much anti-Western sentiment is being whipped up right now and uh, and ingested. Right. And and digested. That's interesting because my take on this number was completely opposite. Fifty nine percent. And it's conducted by a polling agency that is obviously aligned with the Russian government. I thought fifty nine percent was kind of a low number. Because hmm. if, you know, the Russians are polling on this, obviously they're trying to get people to be anti-West, except for the oligarchs that you mentioned. They're taking their yachts all over the place, as we've seen. I thought that number would be higher. That suggests that, you know, it's just over half, but maybe there is some support for the West. Who knows? Or maybe it's suppressed support for the West. It's Like you mentioned, it's tough to read into these numbers because obviously it's Russia putting them out there. But I was surprised that the number was only 59%. John, I think that that the way that was phrased was interesting. I think if you were to look at the breakdown of anti, um, you know, opposition to the Western governments, it would be different. But a real slam across the board, even by 59% of the population to say there's no value is... Um, is something. And yes, you can read it either way. I read it that it was a complete negation of of things that I thought Russians had some grudging sympathy or affection for. 
But moving on, there's a lot to talk about, so I'll let you take it. Absolutely. There is a lot to talk about. And Russia obviously put in this crazy law at the beginning of this war that you can only report as a journalist on things that are being put out by the Russian government. That, of course, sparked a lot of legitimate journalists to leave Russia. I want to talk about one of those in particular, an exile journalist named Oleg Kashin, who you spoke with. He wrote a pretty interesting article, but can you at least first give me a little background on this person? So Oleg Kashin was beaten up with metal rods outside his home in Moscow in 2010. He was working for Commerçant, which is a pretty straight down the line, economically minded newspaper, but it also covers a whole range of of news. And eventually the thugs were found. It took a very long time. A security detail that is close to the Kremlin, apparently they're out of jail now. And their boss who allegedly ordered this this hit um, is very involved in the breakaway republics in Ukraine. So they're all they've just continued their lives. Oleg moved to London and he's been like many Russian journalists in exile covering things. I mean, I think they eat, breathe and sleep this story because it's so existential for them. Right. I mean, they they can't live in their country now. Um, and they understand that the rest of the world is is very anti-Russian. And it seems like it's a moment where Putin will either totally consolidate power or fall. And of course, they're also hor- horrified by the atrocities of what's going on against their effectively brethren. So that's Kashin. He um, wrote an article last week for the New York Times, who will get rid of Putin? The answer is grim. Right, because in a perfect world, you would say, all right, to end this war, Vladimir Putin steps aside and says, you know what, we were wrong the whole time. Uh, we'll pull forces out of Ukraine, and that's the end of the war. But this article, article suggests that even if that were to happen, this war might not be over. I think a lot of people in his camp, uh, in, in Oleg Kashin's camp, see this dragging on for a very long time. However... Um, And Kashin talks to me today about how Putin has really revolution proofed society over the 20 years, 20 plus years he's been in power because his biggest fear is Ukraine, Ukrainian revolution, Georgian revolution, revolutions in the Middle East. So he's made it really hard. There's this power vertical. Everyone kind of answers to him and they're all kind of in this plot together. They're in this quagmire together. Corruption is According to Kasha, not the most important thing. It's kind of the glue, but it's more just the fear and um, and the, the the paranoia that reign. But he does think he sees some small glimmer of hope in this war. And he feels like, OK, the prognosis is not great on any level right now. But he does say that this war, even if it ended tomorrow, would force Putin to change the way he runs the show because society has changed. And he said that we saw historically um, the Crimean War hundreds of years ago. We saw um, the uh, the World War One leading to the Bolshevik Revolution indirectly. We saw the Afghan War leading to the end of um, the Soviet Union in a short in short order. So big wars do end up leading to big change. And so even though he doesn't think that the Ukrainian army is going to trounce the Russian army, um, he said that what's happening, that the Ukrainian army holds a lot of power in its hands in terms of Putin's fate. We're speaking today with Fox News senior foreign correspondent Amy Kellogg, who has some insights on 
just how Russian President Vladimir Putin has insulated himself from being removed from power and doing so with deadly consequences. We'll have more for you coming up next. Yeah, absolutely, especially if these losses continue to pile up, at least the ones that have been reported so far with the Russian military. You mentioned the Russian-Afghan conflict. The report's out there that this Ukraine-Russia conflict has already produced as many Russian casualties. And we're counting casualties not only as deaths, but also those who were injured on the battlefield or may have left the battle altogether. Our guest today is Fox News senior foreign correspondent Amy Kellogg. Of course, we're talking about the war in Ukraine, but also kind of taking a bigger picture of this. I want to continue talking about this article that was in the New York Times by this exiled journalist Oleg Kashin. He makes an interesting point in this, and it's something I'm wondering as well. A big response by the United States early on in this war were these economic sanctions, and not only sanctions against Russia as a whole, but they really were targeting sanctions against the Russian wealthy elite. We heard about the oligarchs. We had all these stories about their super yachts being seized in ports all around the world, and that made me wonder with these super rich guys who basically, you know, are profiting off of the Russian machine, why aren't these sanctions putting pressure on them to put pressure on Putin? He talked a little bit about this. Yeah. And I had another interesting conversation with another exiled Russian about it over the weekend, which was that when a lot of these oligarchs lost their ability to sell their materials, aluminum and things like that to the West, to make up for that, they opened contracts with the Russian military. So a lot of them are getting even more tightly entwined with the military industrial complex in Russia. And when you do that, you have KGB or I keep calling them KGB. Now they're the right. FSB. Um, and you have the security apparatus present in your factory, in your headquarters. And so there's a sense that while they are, of course, lamenting their loss of contact with the West, they are getting ever more entwined with the system and unable to free themselves from its tentacles. So that's a very clever move on the part of the state, I would say. But yeah, it is just, I think Putin also over the years has pivoted away from these guys. He has fewer and fewer friends, if you believe what you hear and read about him. And they're not these oligarchs. They are they are people that come from the KGB, the old KGB, the FSB. Um, And so the influence on the guy is really limited and it is not from the business community. So, and also I think these guys have a certain amount of fear because none of them got rich without having um, made some sort of pact with the devil, correct? So there's there's that aspect of it too. I I think you, you realize you won't impact Putin's thinking and you may get yourself into some pretty big trouble in the meantime. Double-edged sword and also a very thin line for uh, everyone to walk during this war. But it's interesting looking at it from a Russian oligarch's perspective, someone who we've covered a lot, or at least a group of people we've covered a lot. Fox News senior foreign correspondent Amy Kellogg, we appreciate your insight. And thanks for joining us, as always, on the Fox News Rundown War on Ukraine podcast. Thank you, John. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.